You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. Welcome to the Locked On Hornets podcast. I'm your host, Walker Mail, alongside Nada Edwards and Doug Branson. You can find myself on Twitter at Walker Mail, Nada at Nada the Scribe, and Doug at Doug Branson LOH. You can find our show's handle at Locked On Hornets on most social media platforms, including Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And again, if you have any trouble remembering it, you can just go to the links in the handles on our show notes. We do have Rick Bennell, as always, on a Tuesday. And good news, the audio isn't completely hell this time. So that'll be fun to listen to Rick Bennell in better quality this time. We actually have power today. We do have power today. So Sorry for not being able to give you a show on a Monday. It was just meant to be that you guys were not going to get a show. It was unbelievable all of the things that we ran into that weren't that did not allow us to record anything. Power goes out about 10:30 at least on this whole block because our ESPN 7:30 studios is very close to the getemer.com studios here. So both of us lose power. Try coming here. Power comes back on at about 12. Yep. Computer's not working. So we sit here for a little while. Doug tries to make it work. I am of zero help. Same thing for Nada pretty much at that point in time. Doug's like, can't do it. Going to have to try to figure out the computer problems. You have to go to 730 the game if you're going to record this thing. We go back to our Studio B and it destroyed the audio card. So we can't hear so, any audio play back to us. We can't hear anything at that point. That's pretty important, an <laughs> audio card at a radio station. Well, well, at least in Studio B. like Everything else was working, so Studio B is the thing that you record things out. You can put it as on the website and podcasts and stuff like that. And so we've gotten it fixed, and everything's good. But at least at the moment, trying to get it out before the Chicago Bulls preseason game wasn't going to be able to happen. So wait, hold on. You never explained to me that the power outage – was what destroyed that sound card in there. This is the first I'm hearing about this. Well, what? You thought it was just like we didn't have an audio card. We thought you thought we just had audio card issues. And yeah, yes. That, that's what it was relayed to me as it was just simple audio card issues. Well, I would imagine. I don't know. I, it worked before the power outage and it didn't. But regardless, right? We we tried to give you we did we uh, an episode. It was our best effort to give you one. But it just was not meant to be yesterday. So here we are today. Rick Bennell is on with us as well. Uh, before we get to Rick Bennell, just real quickly, nothing beats the thrill of watching your favorite teams and your favorite artists perform live. And Vivid Seats is here to help you find your seat to a Panthers game, Hornets game, a concert, or a show. Vivid Seats offers great prices and a purchasing experience that is super easy. So all Vivid Seats confirmed orders are backed by a 100% guarantee. Supporting Vivid Seats means you're supporting this show. So what you need to do is go to App Store or Google. Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Enter promo code Locked On to receive twenty dollars off orders of two hundred dollars or more. That's Locked On, all one word, and you will get twenty dollars off of your order of two hundred dollars or more at Vivid Seats. Rick Manel, Charlotte Observer. Here he is right now. We have preseason game four, and Rick, just looking for, and just speaking from my point of view, uh, just looking at the game previously to the Heat, I was kind of taking a look at when Frank Kaminsky would get out there on the court, if he would get out there on the court, and what exactly lineup he'd be thrown into. And once again, he they and James Brago waits until the fourth quarter before he puts him out there. He does play the entire fourth quarter, but Rick, it doesn't look good for Frank Kaminsky right now. What's your assessment of what he's done in preseason and what Borrego plans to do with him? I think it's very obvious that Billy Hernan Gomez is um, 
Walker, it may not be in indelible ink, but it looks like pen rather than pencil that Billy is the backup center. Um, where I think this gets interesting, I literally was thinking about this right before you called, is what is the best use of Frank going forward? And what I mean by that is, like somebody said to me, you know, how easily um, could somebody trade for him? And I, I gave that some thought, and what occurred to me was this. You know, I understand the the logic of that question. But, you know, rookie-scale contracts are useful in this league. And seven-footers as in injury insurance are useful in this league. So what I'm getting at is, do I think that they would just throw him away for a bag of beans? Not necessarily, because I think that, you know, his contract, you know, his, this is the last season on his contract, he's affordable. And at the end of the day, you know, it, it's a lot harder to, to, to get a seven-footer off the street than it is to get a, you know, shooting guard off the street. So it wouldn't shock me if he got thrown into a trade because this team is so trade-oriented. But I don't necessarily see him at this point as nothing but a throwaway. I mean, what do you think about that? No, Rick, we've talked about this before. We were talking about it after the Miami game when it was so obvious that Frank was not doing exactly what he should be doing, at least in Borrego's eyes. The value of Frank, look, we've talked about this before, Rick, the rookie scale contract. It's useful in the league. At least he does have a skill. He did come off a year where he shot 38% last season. I think we understand the defensive issues that Frank Kaminsky brings out there on the court. But there is some kind of value there. Rick, I'm thinking like maybe a second rounder, maybe a couple second rounders and a young prospect type player that maybe another team has given up on. Now, what kind of value do you see for him? Well, I think the bigger issue as far as whether you would be able to justify in your mind trading Frank is what you'd have to take back. You know, I mean, what I'm getting at is if I were Cupcheck, and I know we're like thinking like four chess moves down the road, but what I mean by that is. If I were Mr. Kupchak and somebody came to me and said, you know, I could use Frank Kaminsky to shore up my bench a little bit, but my, my reaction if I'm Mitch is, well, do you have a trade exception to absorb his salary without me having to take anything back I don't want to? Because I think that the Hornets, if you look at more this more from a macro thing, if I'm Mitch, I would be more than happy to do something that reduces payroll for somebody who is not particularly producing. That would be more important to me than necessarily just, you know, what somebody is willing to throw back as far as, as uh, tip money. And when you look back at and Frank's career here with the Charlotte Hornets, let's say that this is his last season. Let's say maybe he does get traded midway through the season or whatever. If, if he is indeed gone at some point during the course of the 2018-2019 season, how would you assess Frank's career here with the Charlotte Hornets? Uh, that I think he never has gotten over a relative lack of self-confidence. I have never in 30 years of covering the NBA known somebody who was more self-conscious. Uh, I think that there are an awful lot of people in this league who have an exaggerated opinion of themselves, who are self-possessed and self-absorbed. Frank isn't like that. 
But, you know, the, 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 he goes sometimes to the other extreme where I think he is so self-aware and so conscious of his flaws and limitations that I think it holds him back. And he said pretty much the same thing himself. I don't, I don't know if you were there the day after the season ended, but he was very open in talking about how, in some ways, his head is in his own way. I think it's been very easy to see him wear his emotions a little bit visibly for all of us to see what's going on with Frank Kaminsky. Uh, Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer joining us now here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. And Rick, Jeremy Lamb had another good game last night. Six of 11, 16 points at a couple of three-pointers. Uh, James Borrego mentioned him in the post-game press conference as a guy that he really thought was one of the main takeaways from this game. How would you assess what Jeremy Lamb has done this preseason? I had a long talk with Nick Batum after the game for that column I wrote about, you know, what you, how we do and do not have to um, be what Nick is. And in the course of that, Jeremy's name came up, and Nick was telling me how, you know, he constantly is going over to Jeremy and reminding him to remind himself how good he is. You know, we talked about confidence a minute ago. Um, Jeremy Lamb is a very different player now in terms of his self-perception than he was when he showed up from Oklahoma City. Now, that's obviously natural. We are all creatures of our, of our experiences. Um, but I think Jeremy, in the last year and a half, has realized that he can do this quite well on the NBA level. And I think the Hornets, you know, for all the things that Rich Show may have screwed up, uh, that trade of basically next to nothing to Oklahoma City for Jeremy Lamb is a really good decision, much like trading for Billy Hearn Gomez last season was. Rick, that was a fun lineup we saw last night. I, I know you asked Coach Borrego about this in the press conference. We got to see Jeremy Lamb, Malik Monk, and Kimba Walker all on the floor at the same time with Nick Batum and Marvin Williams being the other two guys out there on the floor with them. What would you think of that lineup? I think you are asking an awful lot. I think you're taking a huge leap of faith that that team can can uh, can keep the other team from scoring even more points than it would score. Um, I'm really glad that JB is being experimental, and I know that you know Walker. I think you can knit together almost everything that he is trying to you know to to the agenda of trying to figure out a way to lower. Um, Kemba's constant personal offensive burden. And that's a good thing. But I have misgivings about how, how, for what length of time you can afford to have Kemba, Malik, and Jeremy on the floor together as far as what you give up at the other end. And Rick, James Brago also mentioned that Nick Batum was one of the main takeaways from yesterday's game. You look what he was able to do yesterday. had a, a ton of rebounds, 12 rebounds, 7 assists, but even said he was a better facilitator than what the 7 assists showed in this game against Chicago. Uh, do you think that you're starting to see something a little bit different, maybe a, a resurrection, so to speak, of good Nick Batum that we saw here in year one with Charlotte? Uh, I think that he had a bad last season last year, but as you and I have discussed on multiple occasions, I think some of that was circumstantial to a large degree, the combination of the injury and the fact that Dwight Howard, by holding the ball for so long in the post, negated some of the reasons that Nick is, is valuable here. Nick is a much, much better fit to a quick decision you know, enforced ball movement, 
fluidity kind of offense, uh, you know, a European slash passing game kind of offense than what they were running last season. So I think the situation fits Nick, and I think he knows that. And I don't think it's as big a deal as he does that he has switched positions, but in his mind, getting another shooter on the floor makes him a better player. Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer joining us now on the guest line here for the Locked On Hornets podcast. Rick, you look at Miles Bridges. The guy continues to be sensational. Maybe not a, a ton of the electrifying plays that we saw last night that we had seen in previous games from Miles Bridges, but just overall, and you've seen James Borrego discuss that he's going to have to play him more with the way that he's played. He's been impressed with him. You know, what just what do you think of the way that Miles has played this preseason after, you know, kind of having some misgivings of the draft selection in the first place in place of a guy like Shea Gildas Alexander? Well, coincidentally, um, Fred Hoiberg, the Bulls coach, his son plays Michigan State. So he knows Miles from a completely different perspective. And before the game, he was talking about how nothing about Miles' quick development surprises him because he's wired to be a serious person, to be a responsible person. Um, that was interesting because, quite frankly, I think, I think parents on teams, you know, they know who are the uh, – who are the achievers, who are the classy people, who are the jerks. And it was very interesting the way that Fred sort of laid that all out with, you know, if you knew his mom, if you knew his sister, if you knew the support system he had, you would understand what a serious person he is. I'll tell you one thing I found really interesting. Um, a good friend of mine who's an advanced scout for another team who has seen the Hornets a few times this season, I asked him, I said, now that you've seen him for a while, what do you think of Bridges? And I thought his uh, thought his answer was both um, enlightening and uh, and I thought pretty fair. He said, you know, he goes, I think he's he said, the guy said I think he's going to be a starter in fleet. He said, I think that he's going to be. He said what the scout said to me was, I don't think he will be more than a seven on a scale to ten. But what the Hornets should be really excited about is. He's already demonstrated he's going to get to whatever he is. He's going to be a seven. You're not, you know, the, the, I think what the scout was implying is there have been a lot of Hornets graphics who, you know, um, they're, what, 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 they, what they thought they were going to be, they never actually got there. And this guy's point was, at worst, Miles is going to live up to his promise. Rick Lash- and that's a nice thing. And you know something? That's a pretty nice thing to say about somebody who, when you pick somebody out of the top five. No, absolutely. I mean, it takes all the uncertainty out of it, and, and that's so much of this NBA draft is trying to hit on guys that you're certain can reach their potential. And and Miles Bridges has done it so far, at least here in the early going. And Rick, real quickly, do you think there is a there's there a, a former Charlotte Hornet that comes to mind in comparing Miles Bridges of maybe the kind of growth that he's had in an off season when he was drafted to where he was at the beginning of a rookie season? Just as is there any kind of comparison that comes to your mind when looking at Miles? I don't know about a former Hornet, but somebody, when I asked someone, I said, um, who does he remind you to remind you of historically? I heard a comparison that I thought was really interesting. Somebody said he's a more athletic Ryan Gomes. You know, hmm. In other words, same body type, same guy who can be rugged inside but has some outside skill. Um, I think that how far Miles goes is 
probably going to be to some degree contingent on how con- how consistently over time he demonstrates you're going to have to guard the three-point line. All right, that was Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer once again joining us as he does every Tuesday here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Rick, thanks so much. We always appreciate it. Of course, Walker. Have a good day. All right, thanks once again to Rick Bennell. We'll talk to him again next Tuesday. We'll take a quick break, and we'll come back with more here on the Locked On Hornets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked On Hornets. And but, I have plenty of hurricane snacks. Went out and bought some Chex Mix. Yeah. Which, what kind of Chex Mix? This savory. Matters. It was a savory Chex Mix. It's you're a, an, a lot you're, of cheese going on in that Chex oh, Mix. You're an expert on Chex Mix, correct? Right? Well, on I, just I'm, trail mix. I'm very particular about my trail mix. I'm what, not as particular, particular about, about my Chex, Chex Mix. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Welcome back to Locked On Hornets. Walker Mail, not Edwards, Doug Branson. We appreciate Rick Minnell coming on and joining us here as we as he does every single Tuesday. Tuesdays with Rick, always fun. One of the better days of the week here when Rick is able to join us. And a decent amount to talk about from last night. I think this was, this was the last time you're going to see some substantial basketball being played. This is going to be... Yeah, Friday is going to be a slog. Yeah, Friday is going to be one where you're seeing whether guys are going to go to Greensboro or not. Uh, you're going to see you know, a, a, the 13th, the 14th, 15th guys off the bench and even beyond that. So that's why I think you're going to see a lot of minutes there. We got to see a lot of the starters go last night, a lot of the rotation, and some interesting things to take note of. I, I think the first thing I want to take note of, and something I wanted to pay attention to heading into Chicago, I just wanted to see if Frank Kaminsky was going to get any kind of meaningful minutes before we got to the fourth quarter where a lot of the guys deep on the bench play. <laughs> that was not the case. Frank Frank Kaminsky played 12 minutes. He played the entire fourth quarter, and he was not very good, certainly at the very beginning. He had one and one play. That was it. Maybe a couple of, of times where he put a hand in a shooter's face, and one time it still got drilled on him. You know, Frank Frank's out. I Look, there's no way, there's no way around it. James Borrego tried to tell us after the game against Miami that maybe one day it's Billy Hernan Gomez who has the hot hand and we're going to roll with him. Maybe the other day it's Frank. And I think at the end of it, as we all suspected, just coach speak, didn't put Frank Kaminsky in in this one until the fourth quarter. And it's a guy that's going to be out of the rotation. And I think you can see it in Frank's eyes as he plays, as you saw it against Chicago as well. There was a lot that told me that Frank has no place in this rotation. I first saw it. When we both saw Billy Hernan Gomez and Cody Zeller both have three fouls early in that game. And what did they do? They went to the itty bitty bugs lineup of Kemba, Monk. (laughs) (laughs) They went Kemba, Monk. I like that. Is that a thing? Did you just not accredited it? I like it too. Not to put it out there yesterday. Although you have some competition though. Do we have I think we might have some beef brewing between Nada and Pete Gwilly. Pete Gwilly, hard at work, marketing campaign extraordinaire. Uh-huh. With that lineup, he said the Stinger lineup. Okay, here's the He's pro- been working it. I get it. Here's the problem with it. And we love Pete. I love Pete, friend of the show. But here's the problem with the Stinger. <laughs> but I'm about to destroy him. Well, here's the problem with the Stinger lineup. <laughs> if you think about the Stinger in a honeybee, when a honeybee stings you with the Stinger, the stinger actually stays in your body as the mm-hmm. bee leaves, and it kills the honeybee. But then at that point, what is so scary about the bee anyway? Because then, if we're discussing our name as a whole, 
then it's like, well, you can't use it or you're going to die. So then what's so scary about you anyway? Well, that if you're going to go by that, that logic, that lineup. you could equate it to that lineup because that lineup wasn't very good defensively. They right. So you could use it and it's going to hurt, but it also may hurt you. So actually, now that you say that, Nada, I might be in for the name, even though the name has some negative connotations. <laughs> so I like itty bitty bug lineup too. Singer lineup is fine. I wouldn't I wouldn't mad at it. I just think it's hilarious. Pete Willie, Pete Willie, like, I don't know. I don't know how far it was after the game, but still putting that out there, working it, man. Listen, I can I'm a see huge, Stinger lineup t-shirt. I'm a huge apiary guy. Uh, you just, just got to keep my scientific facts to the people. No doubt. No doubt about it. No, but they went to that lineup. You heard me talk about it with Rick. Rick Bunnell, we discussed the lineup of, again, it was Frank Kaminsky, or excuse me, not Frank Kaminsky. Frank Kaminsky's not in any lineup right now. You have Kimba Walker, Jeremy Lamb, and Malik Monk. All in the backcourt at the same time. Batum. Nick Batum out there and Marvin Williams running the five. Rick didn't love it defensively. He said defensively that they're going to have a big issue trying to stop teams scoring more than they are. (laughs) So if that's the case, that's the whole point of basketball. You can't really look at that lineup and think, well, maybe that's one that's going to be an effective one. But I will say this. It's a lot of fun. It's kind of one that I wish would work. Offensively, it could cause a lot of problems. But defensively, it just doesn't look like they're big enough. Defensively, there's a big problem with the team overall, one through nine. There's the only guy that we can trust to guard his man is MKG, and he's probably the number 10 guy right now. Well, hold on a second, because I watched that first quarter pretty closely, and when they subbed in MKG... First man in. First man in, but he was getting bodied by Bobby Portis. So there will be lineups in which MKG plays He the was four. early. You're right about that. Yeah, he he was. was. They were trying to expose him down low, giving it to Bobby Portis, and, and Portis was doing work. And by the way, as we were discussing Bobby Portis... I feel like we do have an emerging guy on an all-back alley team. Not and I were discussing at the game. Yes. Because Bobby Portis gave Miritich the business. And that was a nasty punch that Miritich took, too. Got that look in his eye, too. <laughs> oh, he does. He, he What's funny both is... Both of them. Both eyes. Miles Bridges yeah. got a little physical with Bobby Portis yesterday. And I, I forget exactly what happened, but I all I remember is Miles going up after a physical, not altercation by any means, but just physical basketball play. He goes up to Bobby Portis, kind of pats him and laughing about it, and Bobby Bobby gives him just one nod, and that's about it. Like Wasn't he's got having the, it. No, he's got that look in his eye. That man is from Fayetteville, Arkansas. <laughs> that man's souls have seen rivers, folks. No rivers. So if you're looking for a draft selection onto your all back alley team, maybe Bobby Portis is a first round pick. Underrated second round pick, Jakar Sampson. Yeah, Jakar Sampson. Uh, look, I, I like old Jakar Sampson coming in off the bench. Not had a great tweet last night. Dude could probably play in Tim's and do it for free. I like Jakar Sampson on my second round all back alley team. But getting back to the itty bitty bugs lineup or the stinger lineup, whichever one you want to go with, it doesn't look like defensively that that's going to be a viable lineup. And Doug, you mentioned MKG coming out on the floor. I I don't think he was phenomenal defensively. I I think offensively you look at him as well. Somebody that even struggled to finish at the rim at least yesterday, which is going to have to be his bread and butter if you put him out there because you if if he's going to provide you any kind of offensive prowess whatsoever you got to finish at the rim and the guy went one for eight and missed some bunnies last night to be fair he's coming back from the concussion protocol so he he may be trying to to sort of shake the rust off a little bit yeah no doubt about it it's just you know mkg comes in and it's interesting like do you guys put any stock into him being the first guy off the bench and not because you're saying he's the 10th guy i think you're looking at ninth 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 guy maybe 10th guy but 
he's six man off the bench at least a couple of games now we've seen him come off first for now I wonder if Miles improves his defense does that change because what scares me most about Mike is that unfortunately that jump shot form is getting worse it's going back to rookie level MKG and that wasn't a pretty jump shot at all well, I think for the second year in a row, this team is not going to have a legitimate two-way sixth-man player to come off the nope. bench. I mean, Malik Monk is going to come off and per- come off the bench and provide them with the offensive spark, and MKG will have to do the same thing for them defensively. Yeah, I, I think I, absolutely. And then you look at Miles Bridges, it's all how quickly can he develop on the defensive end, and I don't know if anybody thinks it's going to come crazy quickly in his first season here in the NBA. Low-key, Bridges didn't have a good game last night. O- only two points, but what a fantastic <laughs> two points they were. They were fun. On the Malik Monk. Adioop. And I will continue to bang that drum that Malik Monk is an underrated passer. Made some more good passes last night. Dude can facilitate. Now, I don't know if he can come in and be the point guard running an offense and controlling the offense. But if he's cutting, he sees somebody cutting. I, you know, The oop was nice to, to Miles Bridges. There was a, a fantastic slip pass that he had. I, Malik Monk's passing, underrated. The dude can do it. I don't want nec- I don't want to necessarily see him at the point guard position, but the one thing I do want to see him, he does facilitate ball movement, which is one of the Borrego staples. Yeah. The ball when the ball doesn't stick, they score. When the ball sticks, they don't score. It's very simple. Two big observations from this game from me is are that I think offensively they're going to be an extremely fun team to watch. But defensively, they've got a lot of work to do. You heard Cody Zeller after the game mention that, that they've they've really got some things to work on defensively. I think this could be a season where they blow out some teams, they get blown out by some teams, uh, you know, but I just think that they've just got too far of a hill to climb defensively, and, and that's been a big observation for me this preseason. And And the other thing is that I've lost my train of thought. I should have written that down. <laughs> No, I, I get it, but the one thing that worries me is like these game, these regular season games against Boston. I'm just going to warn y'all: don't watch. Those are going to be 100 to 87 or 120 to 87 Boston. All four of those games, I don't think they're going to do very well against the Boston Celtics this year. Doug, you finished that thought. We're all at the edge of our seats. Shout out to Jeff, one of our new Patreon subscribers, and to Lamont, who doubled his contribution. So we appreciate both Jeff and Lamont. If you love the show, if you listen every day, if you want to hear Doug's secret take that he hasn't given on the show, maybe he'll drop it on Patreon later today. And every other day, join our Patreon community for just a dollar a month. You can unlock exclusive content, entries into our giveaways, and ad-free episodes. Patreon.com slash LOH. Sign up today. Every dollar goes to making this the best sports, uh, the best Hornets show in all of Charlotte. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with more here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network. This is Locked On Hornets. Nature's first green is gold. Her hardest hue to hold. Her early leaves a flower, but only so an hour. Hmm. Then leaf subsides to leaf. So Eden sank to grief so dawn goes down today nothing gold can stay we need the boys to mend with that now it's time for more of the locked on hornets podcast we've now had a break 
for all of us to collect our thoughts. Doug, it seemed like, was about to spit a fire take on the Charlotte Hornets, but just couldn't quite get there. Have you found it, Doug? Listen, I've got a lot going on. I climbed a mountain this weekend. I've got a couple of trips coming up. So a lot of, lot swirling around the old noggin here, swimming laps up there. So, yeah, sorry about that. Didn't have it all together right when I needed to. But, yes, here's the, the take. Give me the take. Here's the second take, okay? I want it. I want it bad. They needed to respond early in this game. That was the challenge from James Borrego, that they did not come out defensively with the same intensity that, or with the intensity that they would need against Miami in that first half. And that's what he wanted to see. And I saw the starters come out in this game against Chicago and hold them to eight points. So while on the whole, I don't think this will be a very good defensive team, they, they've got some pieces. It's just going to require them to have that same intensity that they showed in those first few minutes against Chicago for an entire 48 minutes. That's what they have to figure out before the season starts. And I'm just not sure they can do that all season. No, that's beautiful, man. That is. Woo! I, was so, that's, I, mean, I knew it was in there. I, I, I knew it was in there. I, I want to end it right now. Talk about your all-time mic drops. That was perfect. I cannot, I cannot construct a take better than what just happened here Nailed on the Lockdown Horse Podcast from Doug Branson. Why in the world didn't you save that for Patreon? I, that would have been Why? amazing. That would have been amazing. I think people oh. would spend top dollar for that take. I wanted to give it to the people for free because they were waiting. They were wondering. Yeah, I appreciate it. You're we a good do man. enough for free, Doug. That's excellent. The, the beautiful mind of Doug Branson. We'll move on to news going around the NBA. Minnesota just completely <laughs> screwing things up with Jimmy Butler. Tom Thibodeau, a guy that refuses to get rid of his star that he once had in Chicago. He had him in Minnesota. He can't lose him again. He's just not going to have it. And Minnesota has completely botched a potential trade that could have happened with the Miami Heat. Now, it does look like there could be another chance here as there was another meeting between Tom Thibodeau and Jimmy Butler. And much to Thibodeau's demise, it doesn't look like Jimmy Butler is going to still play with the Minnesota Timberwolves. I know it's a shocker, but the guy just don't want to play there. He reiterated his intentions of not playing for Minnesota. And so now maybe they go back to Miami, say, please, can we try to figure something out here once again? And a beautiful quote here. Fantastic. Darren Wolfson of KTSP down in Miami. He said on Twitter that a heat source told the Miami Herald on what the T-Wolves were seeking. It was, quote, the firstborn of all of our kids. <laughs> so uh, Minnesota is asking for a ton in return of, for Jimmy Butler. And it looks like they could lose him. A guy could go Le'Veon Bell on him, not even play for him. I mean, it looks like we're kind of at that standstill between a player and the organization. Miami has had it. Miami has had it with the leaking that's going on from Minnesota, the names that have been popping up because it's awkward. And we experienced this with, with the Kimball Walker mm -hmm. speculation last season. It's awkward when these things happen because Names are just floating out there. People don't know if they're going to be in Miami or Minnesota. That's a huge change, by the way, weather-wise. You got to prepare. You got to buy clothes. You got to you got to figure out your whole life from Miami change. to Minnesota. A better change. Better change. Well, not if you're in Miami. Well, no, not if you're Miami. But that's we what I'm saying. But Those the are the Jimmy names. Butler Who cares trade. about? Well, this isn't the Josh Richardson trade. But here's the no, thing. no. Josh Richardson matters. Do you have any idea how upset I would be if I had to go from nice, sparkling Miami to? 30 and less and being mediocre. Here's the thing. I love what Minnesota is doing, though, because they, they have the gall to, to basically get the deal almost to the finish line. Medical records are being exchanged. 
And then all of a sudden they say, wait, 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 uh, can we add this piece instead of this piece? I, I sell like stuff on OfferUp all the time or on Craigslist oh, no. and, I, and I'll put a price out there and then someone will say, okay, I'll take it. I'm like, damn, I could have got a hundred dollars more. Like, but I never have the gall to be like, well, hold on a second. And that's me. why, because you would lose out on Jimmy Butler or at least risk it, and you would lose out on him without getting anything in return. I'm telling you, they, they've got, they've got some cajones Bobby in, Marks, my, in Minnesota. Bobby Marks equated it to getting to the 95 yard line in a football game and not getting any kind of points out of it whatsoever the jay ajayi yeah it is oh, wow. it's the jay ajayi it's the Derek carr marshawn lynch that's the perfect one it's that's the marshawn lynch getting down all the way to the 99 and just not running the football instead they ask a little too much want to pad russell wilson stats a little bit more and eventually you get nothing all our seattle listeners that was walker mail that said that <laughs> that's a, yeah come at me bro uh you do have deandre ayton by the way dominating in nba preseason so far number one overall selection few games that he's played so far tonight four preseason games for deandre ayton 24 points 21 points 19 <laughs> points and 18 nine rebounds 15 rebounds 14 rebounds and seven and then you look at the block shots he's had three in each of the first three games and doug saw him with a pull-up jumper and baby hooks over kevin durant one-on-one it was amazing. Yeah, I watched his highlights from the Golden State game. 18.7 rebounds, dished out a couple of assists as well. But yeah, going one-on-one with KD, unafraid. DeAndre Ayton, he looks 45 years old, uh, but he plays amazingly. So that's Greg Oden's nephew? He kind of does, doesn't he? Have you seen DeAndre He looks like, Aiden? I he hope you're old. not going off of his play. Are you going off of his play or are you going off by what? No, 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 no. You just have to hope that Ayton doesn't have Odin genetics, basically. No, you you hope that his career is quite the opposite of Craig Odin. Yes. I'll say in the first couple of preseason games, because the big worry with Aiden was the polish, not on his inside game, but just his polish on his offensive game in general. Could he, you know, could he knock down jump shots? Could he do the things that big men need to do in the NBA? And so far, I've been extremely impressed. It it seemed like... NBA Twitter fell so hard for Luka Doncic that everyone was saying Luka Doncic is going to be the first overall selection, or he should be. He like, still NBA, should have been. And no, he shouldn't. Like DeAndre Ayton is putting these kind of numbers up, and I like Luka. This is not clowning Luka. This is not trashing him. But I think people become so bored with the obvious pick of DeAndre Ayton that they try to find something else to say. You know what? I'm going to take Luka Doncic number one overall. That guy. Is unbelievable. The body is insane. He's shooting three pointers. People have called him Dwight Howard's body with better touch and the ability to shoot a three pointer. Like, I don't know what else you want out of a big man that athletic. Defensively, he's given you a few block shots now. I haven't watched him enough to evaluate him completely on defense, but and that was the main question. And yet, people were so in love with Luka. Like, people are idiots for not drafting Luka Doncic. Like, no, let's give DeAndre Ayton his due here. The guy was amazing at Arizona in his freshman year, and now he's doing well at preseason and here's the other thing about deandre ayton yeah i lost my train of thought again go ahead i'll get it i'll get it patreon patreon put it on patreon you got one for us now not wings wing went i'm just almighty you guys are when wings you guys want to help me out today that's it my tongue is like 
has not woken up from last night yeah. at all. Yeah, you guys, you guys want to help me out with some takes? We got to end it here today. You guys, yes. take take a little bit of time off. Try to co- accumulate some takes, out. and we'll talk about it tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Locked On Hornets. We'll be back with you again tomorrow. I'm sorry.